This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or across the coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's Word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, uh, today we're going to start Matthew chapter 14. I know Matthew chapter 13 took about six podcasts, but that's okay. We're not in any kind of a hurry. We're, we're looking at the teachings of Jesus, how Matthew uh, had pinned them down for us just so we would have them 2,000 years later, which I, I think is just really awesome and, and so cool. Um, and how Jesus had been using things that the people in the crowd are familiar with, uh, like seed and, and soil and all these different things and to teach them about the kingdom of God. And, and, he's, and it's been preserved and passed down to us so that we too, even though we don't have Jesus walking around our midst anymore, we have his teachings. We have uh, the things that he did, all this hope and excitement that he brought to the people and and how uh, ultimately you know he he gave the the ultimate price when he gave his life on the cross and he come out of that tomb three days later victorious over death hell and the grave which is what we call the gospel and that's what it's all about it's all about jesus it's all about god's love for us and sending his one and only son to die on the cross for our sins and paying our price and speaking of dying Matthew chapter 14 starts off pretty heavy because we have a death. And we, we typically say that Stephen is the first martyr of the church um, because he's stoned to death in Acts chapter 8. Uh, and we know that Saul, who is later changed to Paul, and is converted to Jesus and goes to the Gentiles. He was at the stoning of Stephen. People were bringing their coats. These religious leaders were bringing their coats to the feet of Saul and, and, and laying them at the feet of Saul. But anyway, <clears throat> Steve, we say Stephen was the first martyr, but actually John the baptizer is the first martyr for the kingdom of God because in Matthew chapter 14, it starts off really heavy because we learn of the death of John the baptizer, um, he was preaching the truth, right? He's telling people that the kingdom of God is near, it's at hand. And, and he baptizes Jesus. That starts off Jesus' ministry. At one point, uh, I believe it's in the book of John, and this is not John the baptizer. John, The book of John, the gospel of John, is not John the baptizer's writings. It's a totally different John. But... We read where John says, John the baptizer says, I must decrease and he must increase. So John was saying, basically saying, I've done my job, if you will, if I can use that term that God has given me. I've, I've done the mission that God has set before me. I have prepared the way for the Messiah. I've baptized Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. His ministry has started. People are being baptized. They're coming to Jesus now instead of me. Uh, Jesus is out there working miracles. I, I have done what I've come to do. But that didn't mean John stopped uh, preaching and teaching and, and telling people about the Messiah and how the Messiah is here. He kept on giving people hope. He kept on telling people about the kingdom. He, he kept on preaching against 
sin and telling people that they need to repent. And that's actually what got John killed uh, because he was jailed for preaching the truth. And in particular, he confronted Herod Antipas and his wife about their marriage. He was telling them over and over again that their marriage was not right in the sight of God. And basically, they didn't want to hear it. And, you know, pretty much even today, we don't want people telling us that, that we're living in sin because the typical response when somebody is confronted with their sin is, you know, we don't want to hear it. You know, get out of my face you know, or I'm going to yell or scream louder than you. Um, and many times we get combative. We get angry. We want to argue. We, we want to fight. And that's exactly what happens with John the baptizer, when he tells Herod Antipas and his wife that their marriage is not right in the sight of God. They're just going to kill him and, and do away with him. And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. But uh, our hope is when the, the reason why I do this podcast, it, it, it's not to beat people up over the over the head with the Bible, uh, you know, and, and tell people, hey, you're in sin because I'm a sinner. Uh, I, I know I'm a sinner and I'm saved by grace. And, and I want people... To have that same opportunity. I want people to hear about the love of God. I want people to, to hear about what Jesus did for them. Despite being a sinner. And being separated from God. Paul says that Christ died for us while we were enemies. While we were separated from God. And he reconciled us back to God. And so uh, the blood of Jesus Christ is the only way to have a relationship with God the Father. And so that is our hope with the Grounded Podcast is to share people Jesus and give them the opportunity to hear what Jesus has done for them and for, for us on the cross and how he was in that tomb for three days and he come out victorious. He came out alive three days later. And because of the resurrection, we have hope. And because of Jesus laying down his life and shedding his innocent blood, that our sins can be washed away. It doesn't mean we'll never sin again, but it means the penalty of our sin that was placed on us because Adam and Eve kicked it all off when they ate that fruit in the Garden of Eden way back in uh, in, Gen in the book of Genesis. <clears throat> and because of that, we had to have a Savior. And we have one. So I want to give people the opportunity to know they're in sin, not to condemn them, but to realize that they're in sin, that they need a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus Christ. And to give people the opportunity to either accept Jesus or reject Jesus. But far too often, you know, when you confront people with their sin, like I said a few minutes ago, they tend to become angry and sometimes violent. And in, in, in Herod's case, he uses his power, his political power, and he jails John uh, to shut him up. And we'll see in just a minute that his wife is the reason why John is actually beheaded. Um, but here's the one thing about Herod. Herod had a struggle within himself uh, as to what to do with John. He, he wanted to kill John, but then again, he didn't want to harm John at all because, like any politician, he's afraid that it's going to start a riot. And the last thing you want to do, especially being uh, in, in the, the Roman uh, government, the, a Roman leader, you did not want trouble brewing because you could get kicked out of your out of your position of power and lose all that prestige and money. Uh, and that's the last thing that you want 
to happen. So Herod basically was your typical politician who wanted to please the people because, hey, you know, that's the people he rules over. That's the people, uh, you know, he's got, he's got to kind of pacify, if you will, because he, he doesn't want all this trouble, bro. He, he does not want all eyes on his territory. And so he's your typical politician who wanted to please the people. And the reason why I say this is because Herod didn't care. He didn't give one rip about John the baptizer. Now, he, he, Romans did not like Jews. And, and, and John was the ultimate Jew. This guy who lived out in the wilderness dressed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. Why would this mighty, powerful Roman give one hoot about uh, John the baptizer? So he didn't he didn't care anything about John, but he did care about himself. He did care about his power and position, and that's what it all boils down to, even for us today. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But the reason that that Herod didn't kill John from the beginning is because he knew the people he ruled over really cared for John, and they thought that John was a prophet. And this reminds me of what Jesus says. About John in Matthew chapter 11, verses 17, uh, verses 7 through 15. It says, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. And what, he says, what kind of man did you go out in the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? No. Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? <laughs> Definitely not. Because uh, he was in camel's hair and you know, pretty nasty. No, Jesus says, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet, Jesus says? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say, Look, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I'll tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the baptizer. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. And from that time, John the baptizer began preaching until now. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Still are, 2,000 years later. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses look forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, Jesus says he is Elijah, the one the prophet said would come. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So Jesus had the utmost respect for John the Baptizer. Matter of fact, they're, they're related. Um, you can go back and, and read about how that, but Elizabeth and Mary were related, which means John and Jesus are related. So why did Herod have John the Baptizer beheaded if he didn't want to kill him? <clears throat> well, we know the answer from the text. His wife, as I mentioned a while ago, wanted John dead. And uh, what's sad is she's going to use her daughter from a previous marriage to accomplish this because uh, Herod Antipas, uh, she was actually married to his brother at one point and evidently had had children, I guess, with him. The Bible doesn't say, so I'm just assuming that it was with Herod Antipas's brother. Um, but Herod had thrown a party, a birthday party, and the, the Bible doesn't say but you can kind of gather it from the text that there's probably some alcohol involved, maybe some, some drugs. I mean, drugs, it's not new. They, they had drugs back then too. Um, so perhaps alcohol and drugs were involved. And we know from the text that there were a lot of, 
of Herod Anthipas' friends at this party. So we definitely know there's a lot of ego here in this room. We know there's a lot of power, there's a lot of prestige, and there's a whole lot of pride at this party that's going on. And what happens, you know, when when you when you're with friends at a party, especially when there could be alcohol involved or drugs and alcohol, because uh, alcohol and drugs. What well, I mean, what do they do? They make us. They make us lose control of our senses. And when we lose control, you know, because like right now, I'm not under the influence of, of anything. Uh, and so I have control of my senses. I, I I know what I'm saying. I know what I'm doing. But if I were to go drink, uh, you know, some alcohol or or take some kind of drug that makes my mind go loopy well then you know there's no telling you know i i'm out of control with with my man that's why um we tell people you know don't drink and drive uh why because your depth perception is off you're you can't steer straight because you're going all over the road you're seeing double i mean all these things that go along with drugs and alcohol uh that puts other people in danger, but when 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 I, I've been to parties in in my lifetime, I, I I've drank alcohol in my in my lifetime, and I've been with friends while we were at a party drinking alcohol. So I, I'm not stupid. I know what goes on at parties uh, where uh, alcohol is involved, um, and, and and so I can picture what's going on at this party for Herod who is there with his friends and if alcohol or drugs or both are there then it's really not a, a good situation because you know the, they start drinking and you know things get a little excited uh, you know and and you got a lot of egos in the room and what where it gets really crazy is is when Herod his wife is going to decide to send her daughter from a previous marriage into the party and, and, and do a little dance. But this was no ordinary dance. It, it was a very provocative dance in front of Herod and, and all of his buddies. And more than likely, uh, we can infer from the text that she was probably naked. I'm just naked in her birthday suit and, and, and you know, Maybe she's some hottie. I don't know, but uh, if you got a bunch of of men who are soused on alcohol or own some kind of drugs, and you send a naked woman in there, it, that's just not good at all. And so Harry gets all worked up. He gets all excited, which is gross because this is his stepdaughter. But he's so awestruck at her dance, he makes a vow to her in front of all of his friends. In Matthew 14, 6-12, this is what Matthew records. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' that, that's Herod's uh, wife. Herodias's daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. And so he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. And at her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist or the baptizer on a tray. And then the king regretted what he had said, but because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, and there's the key, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in, in the prison, and his head was brought 
on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. That's nasty. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. And then they went and told Jesus what had happened. So Herod, in his excitement, he makes a bow in front of his guests and they all hear it. You know, if you think about this, all all Herod had to, to do was, all he had to say was, you know, hey, I, I made this vow when I was overly excited because, you know, maybe I was on this alcohol, maybe I was taking this, this you know, leaf, this drug or whatever, um, and, and because of your dance, I, I just got worked up, and I made this vow, and, and, and I wasn't in the right frame of mind. And, and so I'm not going to kill John the baptizer. I'll give you anything else you want, but I'm not doing that. But but that's not what Herod did. Why why why? If he didn't if he didn't want to kill John, and the text made this clear that he did not want to kill John because of the people, then then why did he kill John? And it and the, it's one simple word, and it's pride. And this is my opinion that Herod did not want to look like a coward, if you will, to his guests. He had to keep this strong appearance. And he knew that he had been duped by his wife. But as far as we know, that was never an issue for him. Herod was stuck between a rock and a hard place. But because he made this vow in front of his buddies, he ordered John to be killed so he can look strong. To his guests. John lost his life over preaching the truth and confronting sin. But he never backed down. When I think about Herod and this sort of battle, if you will, within himself, I, I, I see I see you and me. Think about it. We know what's right. We know what the right thing to do is. But many times because of peer pressure because of pride we do what we shouldn't we 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 make horrible choices and in the past we've made horrible choices and at the time we we, we didn't even consider the consequences that's going to come later think i mean we we could all sit here and tell stories about decisions we made without even you know just out of pure excitement or pure pride uh or alcohol influenced or drug influenced or you know girl influenced guy influenced peer pressure we 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 don't even think about the consequence we just go with it we just do it and so out of drunken excitement but i'm assuming there was alcohol involved but at least out of excitement from this dance that she this provocative dance that she performed in front of Herod and his friends he makes this oath and the pressure that comes, or at least the pressure that he perceived in his mind, it came from the party guests. And because of this peer pressure, if you will, he all of a sudden decided, you know, I, I, I don't care what those people think. I don't care what those pe- how those people feel about John the baptizer. I, I'm no longer concerned about them because I've made this oath in front of my, my buddies at this party, and i got to carry through with what I said. I've got to follow through. Because if I don't, they're going to think I'm weak. And because of my pride, and because of my power and my prestige and who I am, i got to do this thing. So he orders John to be beheaded. 
We see this all the time with teenagers. Teenagers, far too often, they do things that they wouldn't normally do because of peer pressure. And, and it's easy at their age to, to, to just go with the flow or go with the crowd or just, you know, to do it. Uh, do, you know, fill in the blank with whatever. Because at their age, they're, they're so young and they're, you know, easily, easily impressed, if you will. Um, the last thing on their mind is the consequences it's going to follow with their choices. That, that's why it's so important as adults that we be involved in their lives and try to steer them in the direction that, you know, that's why the Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. You know, you teach them what's right. You don't leave it up to a youth minister. You don't leave it up to uh, 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 the youth group at church. You don't leave it up to uh, the people at your local church or wherever you. You don't drop them off at a church and, and you know and then leave them. You know, uh, you know, it's some uh, Christian event, expecting that to be enough to um, steer the teenager in the right direction. No. As parents, it's our responsibility to teach them the right thing to do. And even if you don't follow Jesus, you know what the right thing to do is. So steer your children in the way that they should go. But the best thing to do while you're at it is to model them the example of Jesus and share with them what God's Word says, this is the way we should live. And this is the right thing to do. Um, because at their age, they don't think about the consequences. We're, we're old. We know what the consequences are. We've been there, got the t-shirt and done that. And so we know, and we could say, Hey, if you continue to make this kind of choice, or if you make this kind of choice, if you start to see them on a path that's leading them in the wrong direction, you say, look, this is what's going to happen. Now I was young once and I know, you know, and I had people in my life that would, you know, say, hey, you know, if you make this decision, this is going to happen. I'm thinking, yeah, right, you're an old geezer. What do you know? But they were right. And you know, I didn't always listen. But at least I had people in my life that told me. You know, and, and, and we're living in a generation now where we don't want to tell anybody anything because we're afraid they're going to, we're going to hurt their feelings or make them mad or upset them in some kind of way. But I'm telling you, especially with teenagers, I've, I've, I've got, well, I've got two adult children now, but I got a teenage daughter and, and I'm very involved in her life and, and, um, I don't run her life. I let her make her own choices, but you know, I try to steer her toward what's right. And I try to steer her the best I can toward Jesus. I don't always model Jesus the best, uh, that I can. Um, but I always try to steer her toward Jesus. And I challenge you as parents to do the same thing for your children. Be involved in their lives. Know what they're looking at. Know what they're they're seeing on their phone. Know who they're talking to. I mean, this this is a dangerous, dangerous world that we're living in today. People, you know, they think they're talking to somebody on, on Instagram or, or Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever. And it's and it, it could be some grown man trying to, you know, trying to steal your child and put them in sex trafficking or something it's very dangerous so just be aware as parents and steer your teenagers in the right direction steer them toward god steer them toward jesus um because they're not they're they're, they're not thinking about the consequences that's going to come with their decisions you know 
I'll give you an example. That you know, uh, social media they they offer these challenges like on TikTok and stuff. You know, not, uh, a while back it was eating the Tide Pods, and people were getting sick. People are dying from the Tide Pod. Now there's there's all these other ones, and and because of peer pressure, these teenagers are giving in, and it's and it's it's costing them their lives. They're dying from these challenges. Or and you're, you're thinking, why would they do this? Why would they, why are kids eating? Uh, uh, Tide Pods that are killing them. Why, why are they doing this thing that makes them pass out and people are dying? I mean, all these different things. It, it, to us as adults, it, it sounds stupid. It, it is stupid. It's, it's crazy. It, it's like, why would they, anybody choose to do it? Because of peer pressure. And because of pride. When they're around their buddies, they're not thinking about the consequences. And so it's up to us as their parents to be involved in their lives and steer them in the right Direction. Um, <clears throat> Herod, nor his wife, they, 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 they didn't care anything about John the baptizer. And they sure didn't give a second thought about John's followers. They, they could care less. They didn't care how John's death was going to affect his friends, his followers, his family. John was an absolute thorn in their side because he confronted their sin and, and Herodias didn't want to hear it. So her solution then was to get rid of John. Because if she can get rid of John, she don't have to hear about her sin anymore. It doesn't mean she's not going to be living in sin anymore. It just means, hey, I don't have to hear about it anymore. She can ignore it and she can move on and live however she wants to live. And if you think about it, this is how people to even today react to sin. We don't want people to tell us, that we're living in sin. We don't want to hear it. And we're going to do anything we can to avoid hearing it. We avoid the people that we know are going to confront us. We stay away from them. We shut them out of our lives. We, we quit going to church. Uh, we quit reading our Bibles. We quit praying. Why? Because we don't want to be convicted. We do not want to be told that we are living in sin. Because we... We have created this fantasy land, if you will, this fantasy world, and and we pretend that all is well when it's not. And far too often, we grab megaphones and we make signs and we scream the loudest. We we just scream louder than the truth tellers because we don't want to be told that we're in sin. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to be told how to live our lives because we want to be in control and we want to do what we want to do. That was Herod's wife, Herodias. And we're not any different today. Romans 6, starting verse 20 through 23, Paul says, When you were slaves to sin, that's before you came to Jesus, you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. You didn't have to do what? You are living in sin. It didn't matter. You, you, you weren't obligated to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. See, so when we're living in sin, Paul says it, it leads, in the end, it's going to be eternal doom. We're going to be separated from God for eternity. Never to have a, a, a second chance to make it right. But Paul says, now that you came to Jesus, you're, you're ashamed of the things that you used to do. Are we? Are we ashamed as Followers of Jesus of the things that we used to do, or are we still doing those, doing those things? 
Because, see, we got to set the example. That's hard. That's a, that's a hard pill to swallow for me and probably for you too. So we got to be setting the tone. we got to be setting the example of Jesus. But now, Paul says, you are free from the power of sin. Why? Because of Jesus' blood. And you have become slaves of God. You're not a slave of sin anymore. You've been set free. Jesus said those who the Son sets free are free indeed. So why do we continue to walk in slavery to sin if Jesus has set us free? We, Paul says that we have become slaves of God. And he says now, now that you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, now you do those things that lead to holiness. See, before Jesus... You led those. You did those things, sin, that uh, led to eternal doom. But now that you're washing the blood of Jesus, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're striving to be like Jesus. You're choosing to do what's right. You're trying to be that example for the people around you, including your family. Now you do those things that lead to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life through christ jesus our lord well what's a wage well i work 40 hours a week i don't know how many hours you work but when we work we work for a reason not for the fun of it but for that paycheck and so we work 40 50 60 hours a week to earn a what we call a wage. And so a wage is something earned. And when we live a life of sin, we're earning something. What are we earning? Well, Paul tells us we're earning death. And death is simply separation. When death comes, it's a separation of soul and body, right? Like there's a soul inside this fleshly tent right now that you hear talking. I, you know, my soul has a personality. And if you knew me, <clears throat> you would probably say it's a weird personality. You probably think I'm just a weirdo. And I am. But that's all good. But when I take my last breath and my heart beats for the last time, and that day's coming, just don't know when. It's coming for everybody. We all have that uh, uh, time that death is coming. Hebrews 9 27, 28 says that each person is destined to die once, and after that comes the judgment. It, death is coming. There's no stopping it. Death is coming. And Paul says that the wages of sin is death. So if I'm living a life of sin and I'm, I'm entrenched in sin and I don't have the blood of Jesus Christ washing my sin away, that I'm a slave to sin, then I am earning this wage and that wage is death. And there's going to be, not only is there going to be a separation of body and soul, I'm going to, this body, this fleshly tent is going to be laid in the ground or cremated, however you you know, however you choose to do your funeral. But it's going to turn to dust. It's going to just, it's going to basically rot away. It's going to uh, decay. But the soul is going to live on. And there's no stopping it. And, and, and the thing about it is, uh, we have two choices, heaven or hell. To live with, with Jesus and God in heaven or live with Satan, the devil, in uh, hell. Uh, so, I mean, it, it, we're on a crash course, if you will, with death. And it all stems from what Adam and Eve did in the Garden uh, of Eden. And we can't stop it. Death is coming. It's, 
one day we're going to take our last breath. We're, we're going to, uh, our heart is going to beat for the very last time. And eternity is literally at the door knocking. And what, what's going to happen when we take our last breath and cross over into eternity? Well, it all depends on what we did with Jesus. Do we accept his sacrifice or do we reject his sacrifice? Do we live in sin or do we reject sin? Did we accept Jesus' sacrifice because he paid the price for our sin or did we reject the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins? Paul says in Romans 5, 8-11, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight, how? By the blood of Christ. That's the only way for our sins to be washed and we can be free from the penalty of our sin. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored what does it mean to be restored? It's been made right again. How? Because of what Jesus did on the cross. Sin separated us from God. The wages of sin is death. That's separation. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And so our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son Jesus while we were still enemies. And we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. That's the only way to be saved. It's through Jesus. So now, Paul says, we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. I want to end today's podcast by saying this. We're all like Herod and Herodias, his wife, in many ways. No, we may not be sleeping with our, I hope you're not, because if you are, you're in sin. But we may not be sleeping with our brother's sister. And hopefully you're not having your stepdaughter dancing provocatively for you at a party. But we all have sin in our lives. And the thing is, we all sin. Romans 3.23 says everyone has sinned. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's just that we sin different than Herod and his wife. We I sin different from you. You sin different from me. But we all sin. It's just what we do. And there is someone confronting us in our sin, and that is the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father. It may come from a preacher. It may come from a podcast. It may come from a Bible study. It could come from a friend, a parent, a co-worker. A bump. It could come, a, I was going to say a bumper sticker. It could come anywhere. It can come from a sign down there. It could come from a song on the radio. Regardless of where it comes from, at some point, like Herod and his wife, you and I, we will be confronted about our sin. And we're going to be given this opportunity to do something about it. We're going to be given a choice to repent, which means to turn away or to reject and continue in our sin. We can choose to shut the people up like like Herod and Herodias did 
Because John was preaching the truth. Hey, you're in sin. Your marriage is sinful. It's not right in the sight of God. So she didn't want to hear it no more, and she had his head cut off. Therefore, she didn't have to hear that she's in sin anymore. And she could live the way she wants to. So we can choose to shut those people out of our lives. Or we can choose to listen to their message, which is God's message. They're just repeating what God has said. We can choose to ignore their message, which is God's message, or we can choose to obey it. But there is one thing that you and I cannot do, and that's escape death. Death, was it those saying death and taxes, it's coming. They're both coming. Death is coming, and we don't know when. It could be in the next five minutes. It could be in the next 30 seconds. It could be five years from now or 50 years from now. But it's coming. And when it comes, the only thing that's going to matter is what did I do with Jesus? Did I accept his sacrifice or did I reject his sacrifice? And it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. You can sit there and say all day long that Jesus does not exist, the Bible's not real, and you can come up with all these excuses. That does not matter at all because death is coming. And when death comes, you're going to see that what people have been telling you for years and years is absolutely 100% true. And you're going to stand before Jesus and you're going to give an account of your life what you did with your life, and if you accepted him or rejected him. And if you reject Jesus, you don't have a second chance. And he's going to make you, or he's not going to make you, you're just going to do it automatically just out of the power, uh, the the sheer power that's coming from Jesus. Because that's what people did in the Bible when like an angel showed up or something. What they did, they fell to the ground. And the Bible says over and over again that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then Jesus is going to look at you if you've rejected him while alive on the earth and what he's done on the cross in that empty tomb. He's going to say, you got to leave, buddy. I, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with you. So you got to depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You didn't know me. You rejected me. So now I'm rejecting you. And you're going to be cast out of God's presence for eternity. And it's going to be hell. I mean literally hell. But if you accept Jesus, and you have time to accept Jesus, and if you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And it is. Do not put it off another second. Give your life to Christ. Be baptized for the remission of your sins. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and start your walk with Jesus today. If I can help you do that. Uh, if you don't understand some things and you need help getting to know Jesus more, please write me at thegroundedpodcast@gmail.com, And I will put you in touch with somebody in your area if you're not local. And, or, or, you know, or we can talk on the phone, text, or whatever, email And we'll talk about Jesus and what to do for salvation. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. And keep grinding. Thanks for listening to the Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can text us at 865-418-2824. If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe. And you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, 
Leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.